Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about One Fell Sweep, the third book in the Innkeeper Chronicles by Alona Andrews. So let's brush into the magic of books. So again, this is the third book in the series. If you've been following along, you know that I am really enjoying them. They are a ton of fun. They are great urban fantasy, in my opinion. They have, for me, the perfect amount of romance to action to non-action, with the perfect kind of blend of how much is familiar and how much is unfamiliar. Now, in this book, uh, every book so far has been a little bit bigger. I think the first was like 225 pages, and then the second was like 237, and this one's like 257. So we're not really getting like a huge increase in the amount of story we're getting, but they are growing in size a little bit, and that brings a smile to my face. So I felt like this book had, was a little bit higher stakes than the last books. And yes, I know that the whole time like her life's on the line in those other books, but when we get into the spoilers, we'll see exactly why I think that. I thought this book was a little bit faster paced, and it never really led up on the action. Once you kind of got into it, we were into it until the very end. And there were a couple things that I thought, okay, at least in the beginning, I was like, this is what the book's going to be about. And this is what the book's going to be about. Okay, this is what the book will be about. And, you know, eventually I was right. And that was what the majority of the book was spent on. But I like that it kind of kept it interesting and unique. So again, this book just like the others, was published on their website uh, because Alona Andrews is a pseudonym of a husband and wife couple that write together. So it was published on their website, um, chapter at a time, chapter by chapter. I don't know how long is in between each reveal, so I'm hesitant to say week by week or month by month, but that's how the story was put together originally, and then later condensed and pulled into a book. And as far as the website goes, I just checked everything today, and it appears that the series is still ongoing. I don't know if they have anything up online right now, like the fifth book in their chapter-by-chapter segments, but eventually I think we will see another one there. All right, so let's just kind of get into the spoiler section. So what is One Fell Sweep about? Well, obviously it's going to be about Dina, and Dina after rescuing her sister, which we didn't know anything about, unless I totally blanked on the fact that she has a sister, um, they accept she accepts a hiru, a species that is apparently super revolting and like smells really bad and ugly, that is super hunted by a race called the Draziri, where they believe that hunting this creature will grant them the afterlife they desire, and so they've been hunted near to extinction. And at first she's hesitant to accept the hero, but we all know that she does, of course. So, let's talk. I thought that the inclusion of the new species, even in this book, the third book, was still just as smooth and, you know, easy to going as it was in the first book and in the second book. Obviously, the first book, she's just introducing vampires and werewolves, some people you know, races that we are very familiar with. And then every book after that, she introduces a new one, but it's played as easy and simple. And, you know, we get to know them and understand them. And I liked this one that we got to meet the Hiru and the 
Glaziri. Now, the Hiru are in these clanky, like, metallic suits, and they're bulky, and they just kind of, they have this horrible smell around them, and they're loud, and they're slow. But, you know, as we talk with them, they're very nice. They just are very like, you don't have to keep inviting me to everything. I know that I push people away because, you know, their biology is such that it has to have that suit or a very specific type of environment. Otherwise, they can't survive. And so the suit kind of replicates it internally for them. And so they are, you know, they're there, but they know that they are dangerous because anyone who houses them will, can get targeted by the Jaziri. Now, the Jaziri are a group of people, very pale-skinned. They live on a planet next to where the hero used to live before they utterly destroyed that planet. And they hunt a hero that's part of their religion that if you kill a hero, then you and your whole like clan or flock are granted passage into the afterlife, which is pretty insane. So it was a very good book, very easily introduced these new characters and brought them in. Let's start, though, near the beginning of the book. Sorry, let's skip ahead. Let's come back. Um, Dina and Sean go, have gone on a couple dates, or a date. And this book takes place very soon after the second book. Whereas the, between the first and second book was a time period of at least six months. Now we are talking about, like, less than a week. So Dina gets a message from her sister, Maud, And she immediately kind of drops everything and runs to help her sister. You know, she gets Arlen to help her. They go and rescue Maud and Maud's daughter, Helen, from kind of a crappy backwater vampire world. And they go to the bar. They get in a fight. They rescue her. She pretty much rescues herself as well, though. She's very competent, but she had no way to get off world or anything. And that's why she called for her. And we learned that Maud had been married to another vampire named Melazard. And this one, it's funny, it's spelled like me lizard and i just thought that was funny as i kept reading it and i'm like oh it's me lizard he's he's the lizard man he's not really a lizard man obviously he's a vampire but he's a very sketchy vampire who was later killed and i knew that when they when maud joined that she would fall for arland and that arland would fall for her and i'm glad because that means that my dina and sean ship can progress smoothly and of course it does dina and sean get together uh, near the end of the book, very end slash middle. It's uh, There's a couple spots where they like agree to each other that they want to be together. So I like that. I really like that. Um, after that, they are at their house. They're kind of living and growing together. And then the Hiru shows up and says that he is assembling, or the Hiru are assembling the Archivarius, which is five beings... Like they're one being split into five bodies or six bodies, and they basically like wander the universe and the galaxy, like learning information and finding things out, and then coming together and sharing all that knowledge, and then splitting apart again. And the hero are going to be able to ask a question, but not only the hero, they offer Dina that she can ask one of the two questions they get because the price they're paying is so high because it's. You know, it's a world's beyond measure kind of a price. And so we don't know exactly what they're paying, but it's worth it. So they have to protect the hero in their base while also going out and collecting the Archivarius 
the various pieces that are coming, and then the Archivarius has to be stored in uh, an Argon tank because they're more of an energy being than a physical being, which I just thought was super cool. The way that that works and plays out where they have to fight and rescue and defend all at the same time. Very interesting and exciting. One of the uh, times when they're going out, they fight against a corrupted innkeeper. Now, this was cool. What corrupted him? I don't know. How? Again, I don't know. But it was pretty crazy. Dina is able to beat him, along with some help from Wilmos the werewolf, who comes in, kind of distracts him with some bullets at the proper time, and Dina's able to stop him. Then they bring him into Gertrude Hunt, the inn, and I thought it was so funny because Dina's near dead and she's passed out and basically begging and crying for Sean not to leave the body and not to, you know, leave things. And she brings the corruption and they're like, yeah, the Gertrude wouldn't even let the, the body in the house unless we sealed it in plastic. And she's like, oh, okay, so you got like a big Tupperware, like a Rubbermaid kind of thing, and you put it in that. And No, it was like a big, like sheets of plastic that have been like, molded and solidified into one like giant piece of plastic like you're over you know it's very thick and then it sealed it in resin again on top of that plastic so the inn knows what's up and is like no this is very bad so it was very interesting to see the corruption she kind of tries to investigate it a little bit she finds out that it's actually a former innkeeper that she knew that has been taken over by this corruption, this darkness, and has to fight it off. And it's very kind of scary and intense scene. Um, Officer Marais is back. He, you know, still that, I think there's something wrong, and I'm going to just hound you until I figure it out. And I just am tired of him being in here, because he doesn't add a lot but tension. He just, every time he comes, are they going to get found out? Well, this time, yes, they are found out, because the Draziri, uh, attack him and attack the inn and they have to show him and then and then after he kind of joins up with them for a little bit they send him on his way sean goes with him kind of tells him all about the, the accords and the treaties and then later on officer marice is you know quoting them at an alien and now he's kind of on their side but i'm glad that he's been mostly retired but the jaziri are devious they use a plant called the World Ender. No matter what you do, you can't stop it. It just goes along whatever source it's put on until it pops out and sees life. It classified as like a living sentient being that's breathing, so viruses, bacteria don't count. Uh, and then once it finds them, it launches itself, it launches spores, and plants itself into them, and then grows and grows and grows until it takes over the entire planet and destroys it. It's a very, very dangerous thing that the the Draziri have unleashed. Luckily, coincidentally, I just you have to just learn to accept these and roll with them if you're gonna enjoy any of these books because they're in all the urban fantasy books you're gonna read. But Arland is actually kind of poisonous to the world under plant because he was inoculated as a young vampire, something that all of the house crawler go through. And so he has to attack, get the plant to attack him, and then get to the main plant, bite it, and put some of his blood in it, and then it kills it. So he does, 
He's severely wounded, of course. And then this is one of the craziest things that the Drazirdi had, which I keep wondering how they keep getting all this stuff because they're supposed to be kind of like nobody like really likes them because they're so genocidal against the Hiru. But they have a seed, the seed of an inn, which is like the start of the inn, like Gertrude Hunt. And Dina is, you know, of course mesmerized by it because they're so rare. And she wants to try and rescue it, but she's attached it, or they've attached it to this young Drazuti girl, and they are trying to force her for the trade, and she'll give him the seed. Unfortunately, she won't accept that. She won't give up her pet, her, her guests. And so they kind of set off like a little bomb, and unfortunately, she has to take the in, the in seed, through that portal to the barren world where it dies. And... If she hadn't, then Gertrude, the inn, would have felt that inn's death, and Gertrude would have also died. And just kind of crazy. And so because Dina was bonded to the new inn, the baby inn, trying to keep it alive when it died, she's also kind of gone through this death. And so she's in like a haze for a time. Nothing can get through to her. She can't feel pain. She can't feel joy or see color kind of thing and i thought that is a very spot-on depiction of some types of grief grief excuse me not grief where no matter how much you want to do something or how much you feel like you want to do something you just feel like you're in this gray i can't do anything stage and maybe it was a little more literal for her that she actually couldn't do anything but that is kind of a real Thing and I thought it was portrayed very well that it was the amalgamation of a bunch of small acts of kindness and Sean's dedication to her that he's not going to let her go, he's not going to forget her, he's going to work with her and get her through this, and he'll always be there, and everybody kind of showing her the love, even when they have to, you know, completely take care of her because she can't do anything or move at all, you know, that is what helps her eventually break through. And, you know, in this final climactic battle where the Jaziri are storming in mass, the corruption has broken free and is trying to kind of take over and corrupt somebody. We learn that Tony, the other innkeeper's son, Mr. Rodriguez, is an ad hall, who basically means he's like a, uh, a power figure of the innkeeper's council. He's got a ton of power. He can do a lot of very cool, powerful thing. Cool, powerful things. And he actually takes the leader of the Drasiri and locks him on a world where the sun is like literally dying before your eyes because of, uh, you know, innkeeper magic. And he's going to leave him there for 30 years until he calms down and figures it out. And, you know, if he goes crazy before then, then he'll go and end it. So that was pretty crazy. This final battle, they're able to stop it. They're able to save the Archivarius, and the Hiru ask where, you know, where their planet is, where can they go to be free and to be safe, and they show them a planet, and the Hiru are able to go through, and we learn that, and I'd kind of predicted this just a little bit, that the Hiru were spacefarers, obviously, and they had visited the planet of the Draziri beforehand, and then been seen, and the Draziri had kept these legends and these myths of these beings that they saw and they had turned into their gods of their religion and so when the 
when the Jaziri got achieved spaceflight and flew to the closest planet and saw the Hidu, that they were exactly like their gods, they freaked out and destroyed the Hidu because it would have destroyed their entire civilization to know the truth. Doesn't excuse what they did. Not one bit. Should have had a little bit more, you know, faith or whatever, but uh, that's what happened. And so they go to this world, and then Dina gets to ask her one question, and she is cycling through a couple variations of how to find her parents. You know, where are my parents? You know, how can I find my parents? And then I don't remember the exact phrasing, but she asks, you know, how can I find my parents? Or who can help me find my parents? Or who can tell me where my parents are? And the Archivarius says, ask or like find Sebastian North. Sebastian North is her answer. And we're like, Sebastian North? Like, we haven't seen any Sebastians in this book. Like, who's he? And then the Archivarius disappears and leaves. And we kind of learned that George had been working behind the scenes. He's the one who sent the Hidu to her lodge. He's the one who sent, who helped Maud get a message off of that backwater vampire planet to her. And she, you know, vows to give him free rent for life. But then at near like the very end, the second, the last chapter, the very last thing, we find out that the cat that she picked up from the PetSmart basically has a collar and the initials S N on it, which could potentially stand for Sebastian North. I don't know. I'm pretty excited for when the next book comes out. I don't think I'll be reviewing the fourth book, um, which is a story about Maud. Maybe I will. I'm going to read it and then decide first. But that's going to wrap up my discussion of One Fell Sweep by Alona Andrews. You know, thanks everybody for listening. And thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. If you have any questions or comments, angry remarks, you know, you can send those to libromancypod at gmail.com. I've put up a calendar on the website at libromancy.podbean.com showing what books are coming up next. You know, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. That really helps other people find us and help spread the word. And remember to brush the magic of books. Mm-hmm.